And we're underway at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. A swing and a drive! Away back! He made a great catch! Strike three, tall! Swing and a missed ball game! Swung and it belted to deep left! Away back, gone! Swung and it belted to deep left! Away, back, gone, to the home run porch. Hi, this is Tom Hamilton. You're listening to the latest episode of Rolling with the Tribe. Here's your host, Peter Nabb. Thank you, Hammy. Thank you for that intro, and welcome to this latest edition of Rolling with the Tribe. My name is my name is Peter Nab. Thank you very much for joining me here on this latest episode of Rolling with the Tribe. We have a lot to get to. We have a lot to get to in this episode. The Indians uh, are taking on the uh, the Milwaukee Brewers after uh, after coming off a series in which they took two out of three from the. Uh, Kansas City Royals. It's not very often that the Cleveland Indians take on the Brewers, but obviously, I don't know about you, but every time I think of the Milwaukee Brewers, I think of this voice. Just a reminder, fans, about Die Hard Night coming up here at the stadium. Free admission to anyone who was actually alive the last time the Indians won a pennant. Bob Buecher slash Harry Doyle in the best baseball movie ever, Major League. Um, just, I, I just, I just love that movie all around. Just a reminder, fans, about Die Hard Night coming up here at the stadium. Free admission to anyone who was actually alive the last time the Indians won a pennant. Anyway, I just had to play that. So, um, a lot to get into in this episode before we move on to actually covering what happened in the games. Uh, we have, we have an interview with... Curtis Stanberg, the Senior Director of Communications for the Cleveland Indians, I wanted to ask him some questions about what the uh, what this uh, pandemic season means for his job in the communications department and what changes they have had to make both before the season and on and on the fly when it comes to uh, making sure every everything's in order this uh, pandemic pandemic-shortened, strange season in which they have a ton of protocol that they have to follow. And so I wanted to know how that impacts the communications department and broadcasters and uh, how that changes Curtis Danberg's job. So I wanted to uh, – so I, I had a conversation with Curtis Danberg. Uh, I had this on, on Friday afternoon just before the Indian series with the – Milwaukee Brewers. So before we get to the results of the Indian series with the Milwaukee Brewers, here's my conversation with Curtis Danberg, the Senior Director of Communications for the Cleveland Indians. So joining me is Curtis Danberg, the Senior Director of Communications. Uh, Curtis, thank you for making the time, as I really appreciate you making the time in your busy schedule. My pleasure, Peter. Good to talk to you. Obviously, I know it's been a very unique season uh, for a lot of different parts of the organization 
So I'm just wondering if, if you can tell our listeners uh, who may not know what is different about this season from a uh, uh, from a communications standpoint. You're the senior director of communications, and a lot of people might not know what the broadcasters are dealing with from a broadcasting perspective this year uh, because uh, 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 because Tom Hamilton and Rosie have adapted so well. What are the broadcasters uh, dealing with in terms of this pandemic season with COVID and and uh, travel and whatnot? Yeah, it's been incredible amount of change in a very short amount of time and we're very thankful we've been playing baseball and have baseball back in our lives but we've had to adjust on the fly in many different areas broadcasting being a big one so uh, we learned early on in the process that uh, broadcasters would not be able to travel with the team so for home games it's pretty much the norm uh, radio and TV are in their normal booths doing the games but when the team goes on the road they are not going with them for the first time ever and so that's been difficult. From a radio standpoint, we've transitioned Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus to one of our uh, clubs, the uh, Collie Club. Uh, they've got three monitors, one big 75-inch monitor and two 60-inch monitors, and they're getting the game feed just like you would at home would be getting, but they're also getting some separate feeds of uh, what the entire field of play looks like and the scoreboard and the bullpen for them to correctly call the game. Uh, Sports Time Ohio is doing it from their studio in downtown Cleveland on uh, two, 200 public square building. Um, so they're not with us, but they're doing their own little uh, rendition of uh, social distancing. Andre Knotts in one studio and Matt Ricker in another one, but completely separated. So uh, that's one element. And then you've got the whole element of our side of working with the players. Usually we're all involved with working with the players. We only have two player uh, team members, Bart Swain and Corporate Trip, that have player access. So a lot's been asked of them uh, to take on a lot of responsibility without us able to support them. And then in turn, uh, we've been managing the media. We're only allowed 24 in the press box on a game day basis, the max of 35 per game. Um, so a lot of change in uh, making things work with the protocols uh, and along those lines too. Uh, just so everybody knows, on a, on a typical game day, what does the media presence look like on a, on a typical on a typical non-COVID game day? Yeah, I would say it's probably double that, Peter, okay. um, for a normal game, because uh, that includes broadcasters and things like that, but extra staff, and, you know, we'll have at least, you know, 50 people in the press box. Even the official scorers doing it from home, um, and we have to interact with them via, you know, text messaging or, um, you know, through like a message board to, to get the official score ruling, so... It's just crazy how we've had to adapt and make things work, but at the end of the day, we're, we're making it happen. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's certainly interesting how how Tom uh, how Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus have have adapted. I I think that I think they've done a, a heck of a job. I think I think for the most part, you haven't been able uh, to tell that that they're doing that they're doing road games from uh, uh, from the corner of Carnegie and Ontario, which is uh, definitely a credit to them. But uh, but but one question I have uh, one question I have for you is um, is there, there's been there's been a lot of talk about and I, and I don't know how much of this uh, uh, you can you know officially say or not but there there's been a lot of talk about uh, there possibly being a a bubble for the playoffs is there any uh, uh, is there has it been finalized yet as to whether broadcasters will be able to travel for that bubble or is that or is it too early to tell um 
what will happen in ter- in terms of the playoffs. I I know that uh, some of that may not be uh, official yet, so I, I didn't know if there was anything you could say in terms of that. Yeah, it's too early to tell. I mean, there's a lot of playing discussions right now, and we're certainly right in the middle of it and uh, looking at all different scenarios and how, how we obviously know we can do it remotely, And but uh, obviously it'd be uh, best to have our broadcasters on site. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. There's a lot of discussions between the league and the player association, but it's coming quick. I mean, you know, we only have you know 20 plus games left, and you know, one more road trip and two home stands, which the uh, second to last one starts tonight at Progressive Field. So um, things are going to happen here pretty quickly, and then we're going to have to react. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and I. Th- uh, and I think the team has done a, a pretty darn good, uh, a pretty darn good job of reacting. Uh, just, uh, just give, uh, just give people an idea how the site in Lake County uh, uh, plays uh, plays into all this. That kind of helps the the Indians in terms of in terms of geographics, uh, being able to move players in and out. So uh, that has that has been able to help the organization. Uh, relative to other teams, hasn't it, in terms of being able to move players around? It, yeah, it's been great, um, you know, to have that location, you know, be 20 minutes uh, right down the road in, in East Lake yep. uh, has been huge for us. And you've seen uh, some of the, the success coming out of that, being able to, to train and develop uh, Tristan McKenzie, for example, and to have him ready to go when we needed him, and he came up and didn't miss a beat as one prime example of how effective uh, that second site has been for one final uh, one final question. Uh, just kind of give us an idea of of how much time uh, before the season started. Like, how much time did did you guys have to uh, have to prepare for prepare for this from a, a communication standpoint? In terms of in terms of when did you find out what the restrictions would would be would be on 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 broadcasters and, and when were the, and, and, uh, and, you know, when were the restrictions, um, announced? And I mean, I mean, so how, how quick, how quickly was it, how quickly was that all put together? I mean, was it, was it kind of more rushed than, than, than you would, than, than would have been ideal? Or did, did you guys have enough of a heads up? You know, uh, did you guys have a, de- a decent heads up to say, hey, this is, this is what we're going to have to do, or was it kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to say flying by the seat of your pants, but, uh, you know, uh, 2020, uh, 2020 is a is an interesting year, to say the least. So uh, I guess at the beginning of the year, how how um, how soon before the beginning of the year did, was uh, was some of this put together in terms of, uh, from, from a broadcasting perspective? Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, shutting down spring training, uh, I think it was March 13th, um, to then, you know, constantly having meetings and what's the what if? Are we going to play? Are we not going to play? It was really about early June. We started to have more discussions and we were hopeful that something would happen. Uh, I think around Father's Day is when uh, the protocols landed and we had to turn them pretty quickly on how we would adjust to it. And, you know, they were given to us of here's the protocols, but not really how to do it. It was on the organization to figure out the how. Um, so we jumped into action. There's a lot of people, a lot of moving parts. And, uh, you know, by beginning of July, we started having players arrive and started summer camp. And then I think it was July 23rd was opening day. So, yes, we would have loved to have had more time. Things were fast moving. We were learning on the fly and still are. Um, even though things have settled in, we're, we're still learning things and protocols have changed. And 
uh, we've had to adjust with that. And no difference from what we talked about with postseason coming. Uh, we're going to have to do the same. Yeah, very, uh, very quick. Uh, just uh, uh, one more question for you. Uh, I for those uh, for those fans that are not aware, uh, what uh, parts of the ballpark are players using uh, in this uh, season to keep them socially distanced? Yeah, it's been a big change. You know, talking about clubhouses first. You know, the players basically come, they change, and then they have to be out of it. And we've added other areas of that clubhouse area to expand the clubhouses. So. Even some of the dugout suites, the interior of the dugout suites are being used for clubhouse uh, for coaches and staff and even some players. Um, and then you move on the concourse, uh, the club, uh, Jim Beam Club, right behind home plate on the main concourse is being used almost as like the clubhouse. That's where the players are eating. It's open air. That's where they hang out. Um, and same with the visiting club. They're on the corner bar down the right field line. Uh, if you walk in the main cor- concourse, everything's uh, kind of blocked off. Uh, for there's arrows for the way the players should come in and where, how they should exit. Um, so it, it's just amazing the work that has been done. Team shops have been turned into testing centers. Um, pretty much every area, the service level has been changed uh, for some reason or not. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. And uh, Curtis Stanberg, Curtis I appreciate uh, I appreciate your time. I know you got to – I know you got to get moving. I appreciate your time. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for this. And I, I think we can all agree that maybe by the end of all this, uh, 2020 should just become a new expletive. You know, 2020 should just become. Uh, uh, I think it already has, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think tw- I think 2020 should just uh, should just be added to the. Uh, to the to the to the George Carlin list. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a year. It's a year we will not forget. There's no question about that. And uh, always a pleasure talking baseball with you, Peter. Thank you. Uh, thank you. That's uh, Curtis Stanberg, Senior Director of Communications. Thank you again, Curtis. I appreciate it. You got it, bud. All right. Take care. That was my conversation with Curtis Stanberg, the Senior Director of Communications for the Cleveland Indians. Again, thank you to Curtis Stanberg for the time. I really appreciate him explaining some of the things that he and the rest of the communications department uh, have to go through, including Bart Swain. And I can't thank Bart Swain enough. Um, without his work, uh, this podcast, a, a lot of what you hear in this podcast anyway, would not be possible because um, pretty much all, yeah, all, all of the audio that you hear in this podcast from the locker room is courtesy of Bart Swain. So, so again, thank you to Curtis Danberg and Bart Swain for all the tremendous work that they do um, in helping everybody get the audio that they need in uh, in this strange COVID season where there aren't a lot of people who are allowed to tra- uh, to travel with the team. So that was a very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's get to on the field as the Indians took on the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, and, uh, and, and the Indians once again uh, proved that their offense this year has been Jackal and Hyde. You never know what, you never know what you're going to get. And the Indians proved that again against the Milwaukee Brewers on, uh, on Labor Day weekend as, um, as, as the Indians started the series, by get by getting walloped uh, 
by getting walloped by the Milwaukee Brewers by a final score of seven to one, despite the fact that they um, that they got a heck of a start by Carlos Carrasco. The Indians the the Indians ended up losing by a score of seven to one. As again, just despite that, they got a, a heck of a start from Carlos Carrasco. Uh, as I as I take as I take a look at that, Carlos Carrasco went six innings, gave up six hits, and only one earned run, and then the bullpen just kind of imploded, and uh, and the final score was seven to one, as as the Indians could only muster one uh, one run across on Friday, September fourth, as as the Indians lost by a score. Of seven to one, and the only uh, the only run scored by the Indians, Delano De Shields grounded into a force out, which allowed a run to score. That was the only run for the Indians in this game, as they lost seven to one. So we'll move on to Saturday, a a, a very tight game on Saturday, as uh, the Indians won by a final score of four to three. Uh, look, looking at uh, looking at the uh, pitching for the Indians. Aaron Savali went six innings, gave up five hits and two and two runs, and then Qua, uh, Quantrell also pitched. Uh, he pitched two thirds of an inning in relief. The new Indi- uh, the new Indians reliever. Quantrill that they just got in in the trade a few days ago. Um, again, Aaron Savali went six innings, uh, pitched very well. He he went uh, he went a total of six innings and he struck out six batters uh, and gave up five hits and help help prepare help uh, keep the Indians in the game. As the Indians won the game by a score of four to three, uh, looking 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 at the looking at the Indians' offense in this game, uh, Cesar Hernandez doubled home a run for the Indians to score their first run that tied it up at one in in the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, Jose Ramirez hit a home run to make it three to. To make it three to one, tribe, and then uh, it would stay tied. Um, uh, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Jose Ramirez made it three to one, tribe. Then uh, Hira for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. He hit a home run to make it three to two, and then uh, and then the Brewers hit another home run to tie it up at three, and. Uh, and in the bottom of the ninth, in the bottom of the ninth, Oscar Mercado started it off with hitting, uh, with hitting hitting a double, and then Oscar Mercado started it off hitting a double for the tribe, and then Cesar Hernandez stepped up to the plate with a chance to win it, courtesy of the Cleveland Indians radio network. Swung on, banged into the hole, in the left field, base hit, a game winner for Cesar Hernandez. 
Josh Hader had not given up a hit this year and faces two Indians in the ninth. Oscar Mercado doubles and Cesar Hernandez singles him home and the Indians get a walk-off win as the Tribe in the ninth inning has stunned the Milwaukee Brewers by a final score of 4-3. to three. And that was uh, Tom Hamilton with the call, courtesy of the Cleveland Indians Radio Network, WTAM 1100, 100.7 WMMS, and the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Again, uh, uh, again, Cesar Hernandez is the hero as the Indians walk it off in the bottom of the ninth and win 4-3 to three over the Milwaukee Brewers on Saturday, September fifth. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna hear we're we're gonna hear from several players. Uh, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna hear from Sandy Alomar Jr., Brad Hand, Aaron Savali, Oscar Mercado, and Cesar Hernandez. We're gonna hear from we're gonna hear from all of them. First, let's start with Sandy Alomar Jr. Sandy, what um, what does this say about your guys? Those two guys that started that inning off to get hits off a guy that hasn't given up hit all year long. Just what do you think of the approach of Mercado and Hernandez? Yeah, Mercado, uh, he you know he's a good fastball hitter, but he needed to get a pitch that he can handle. Uh, the first one kind of like caught on him a little bit. He kind of like got full a little bit, but. He was able to uh, get that one and hit it against the wall and get to second base, wall pitch. And then Hernandez, it's like I said before, he is going to put you in a good situation. You feel good about when he's at the plate because he's going to make contact majority of the time. And uh, it's a good situation of player. What did you think of Savali tonight? Well, today it uh, started pretty, uh, very economical. Uh, with pitch count, but then he ran into some pitch count problem in the fifth and the sixth, and uh, he still did his job, kept us in the game, and uh, uh, gave, gave the offense an opportunity to come back. You know, with hand, obviously we always hear about catchers – or catchers, I'm sorry. You hear about pitchers and closers in non-close situations struggle sometimes. What helped him bounce back and get out of that inning after giving up the leadoff double? He was throwing strikes down in his own, good breaking ball. Uh, fastball that he throws inside kind of pays off with a breaking ball after that. Uh, you can't, you know, he, he's not the wild guy he was before, so he's around the zone, so you got to offer to those pitches. And, and he's done a fantastic job. Even in games that he's not there enough safe situation, but for all, that was the same. To keep us in the game, give us a chance to go in the ninth uh, to try to win it right there. Sandy, what what are you thinking when Ramirez is in, in that ten pitch at bat? You know what? In Ramirez's ten pitch at bat, with the that ended up in the home run. Oh, what what what, what do you mean? What I'm thinking? What 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 I mean? What what allows what allows Ramirez to do that? Oh well, I think that today he's like his focus was better. Uh, he kept fouling off pitches that there were not pitches that he's able to drive in order to get the pitch he, was, he, he wanted to get to drive. It was one of those occasions. Uh, they don't happen all the time, but today he fought in that at-bat and got, finally he got a pitch that he could handle and drove it out. Uh, that guy had similar, similar stuff on the guy from last night. 
and uh, uh, Ramirez was able to follow pitches they couldn't handle and able to get the pitch he, that he needed. Sandy, it looked like in that at bat, he stopped with his picking up his foot. It was almost like we never have seen Jose really going to that two strike mode almost to following everything off. Yes, I, I, I really would love guys to, to have that approach more often because you don't realize that when you have that approach, you, you tend to see the ball better. Uh, at times, we're just trying to gain power by lifting and, and separating and, and getting too big that what happened is you start moving your head. But the guys, you know, trust me, they're, they're working. I know that uh, the results are not there right away, but, you know, we, today we saw – key at-bats that were big, like the one by Hernandez in the last inning and the one by Ramirez with that home run. Sandy, have you ever seen so much catcher's interference as you have this year? Yeah, well, we, we preach to catch closer to the to the pitcher. Uh, we preach that, uh, but also the other side are committing too. Uh, the, 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 the problem is that when you catch close to the pitcher, closer, you have to let the ball travel to you. You can't jab at it. And I think Sandy got caught up in jabbing on that pitch where the runner was going. Uh, same thing happened to Narvaez. He, uh, he was jabbing toward the ball. Uh, but, yeah, it's been, it's been awkward this year. Awkward swings, too. I mean, swings that start from back here. I don't know if that rule is completely fair, but I feel like if the barrel of the bat is not on front of home play, that they should do something with that rule. So, Sandy, you like your catchers to get as close to the plate as they can. Correct. I, I, I like it because there's a lot less balls in the dirt. Uh, there's uh, more pitches that stay in the zone versus running out of the zone. Uh, we have done now, Roberto Perez is the closest catcher in baseball. And he has his framing numbers are good. He, his blocking numbers are good. And he's throwing you closer to the base, so you're able to throw more guys. Game in inches. So if you get an inch or two, that's a game on inch or two you have on the runner. Sandy, I know we sort of talked about this earlier, but uh, is there anything specific, maybe away from just Mercado chasing a little bit more at the beginning of the season that you see differently uh, in his approach now after he got back from Lake County? Yes, I, uh, that's a great question. I, I, uh, I was talking to uh, Mike Sarbo, and his third at bat, I saw Mercado just throw, using his hands more instead of using his body took your body away from the swing, and that's the man. Mercado looks good because right now he looks like he's just trying to make contact, not trying to do too much. That's the same thing that he got caught up in the first pitch with Hader, trying to go a little bit too jerky, but then after that, he just used his hands, and the ball was like, he dropped the ball. You know, he wasn't trying to do too much. He just, he just used his hand, and the ball just jumped out of his back. Well, how do you slow yourself down? You give up the, the double to start the inning. We always know you look like you're calm, but you've told me you're not. How do you keep yourself calm and how do you This kind is of Brad Hand who worked out of a bases loaded situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, the game was still, still tied at that point. Just, you know, trying to keep them, get some strikeouts right there. He got two key strikeouts, especially at the runner on third with, you know, one out. Um, you know, just trying to keep them right there. Uh, you know, on third and one out, not bases loaded. To, you know, both the guys, but got, into, got back into the count and even it back up and was able to get a strikeout on those guys. Brad, is there anything different about a walk-off celebration in this weird season? Yeah, I mean, you can't really celebrate. Um, everybody kind of just ran out there and didn't really know what to do. That was our first one this year. So, um, you know, we hadn't had the chance to do do that. And, um, you know, it's kind of different for sure. But um, big W for us and um, try to win the series more. As a reliever, um, I'm sure you looked at the numbers that they're two, the last two guys they 
throughout there put up so far this year. How unbelievable that's the first home, first hit that Hayter's given up this season. How is is that unbelievable to you too? Yeah, I mean, I think he's had 12 innings almost maybe of, of hitless ball. Um, you know, that's a you know great start to the year and a great pitcher. And, uh, you know, Merck had got a good pitch to hit right there. And um, that was big for him to lead off with a double against a guy like that. And, you know, just to be able to scratch a runner class right there in the, in the bottom of the ninth is, is big off that guy. Aaron. Um, now Aaron Savali. When you look at all your starts, I think you've gone six innings in every start. What I know when you came back here for summer camp, you were already up to 100 pitches, but what do you think has helped you be able to be this consistent so far this season? Uh, just going out there and trusting my stuff and trusting the catcher and trusting the game plan and just knowing that, I mean, the, the longer I go into the game, the better, better chance hopefully we have to win that game. Um, I know everyone around me is giving it their all, so I just kind of feed off their energy. Today was just a, a complete win as a team, and it's definitely definitely fun to play those type of games. I know that you've been solid in all your starts, but we talked to Sandy before the game about trying to get trying to get you going a little bit earlier, um, not have walks or things like that. And you talked about your sinker. How happy were you with the beginning of your start tonight? Yeah, I know the last few kind of – just takes an inning or two maybe to settle in. Um, I do tend to settle into a game, which may be why the, the innings have been what they have been. But just kind of going out there and focusing on executing each pitch from, from pitch one. Not that I haven't done that in the past, but just kind of a little extra effort, either warming up or in the bullpen just to, to feel that and not take an inning or two to settle in. How nice was it that the um... – you give up the one run, up the fourth, and then your the offense comes right back and gives you three. How's that as a pitcher? That's got to feel great to have that happen, right? Absolutely. Like I said, it was a team win today. Um, when I I gave up a run, offense picked me up. Um, would have liked to keep a zero on the board in that sixth, but kept it. Still kept left the game with the lead. Um, even the, the following inning, uh, Cal got in some trouble, and Wickern came in and picked them up. Wickren, I mean, he got out of that inning. The, the next inning, obviously, gave up the home run, but come back, Brad gets out of a big situation, and then Mercado and Cesar take care of it. Like I said, it was a complete, complete team win, and those are the games that you want to play, and we're, we're in it from pitch one till, till the end of the game. It's nice to have the first walk off of the year here. Good. you accept that, that like maybe – you need now, to, this, to is Oscar Marca- no, this is Oscar Marcado meeting the media. Because, Oscar you know, Marcado. There, it's not like you're going to be able to improve your batting average or, you know, test out what you're working on in an actual game setting. Could it be difficult to kind of come to grips with that? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's difficult for anyone. Um, you never want to accept the fact that you failed. And, um, but at the end of the day, you just got to look at the big picture. Um, the things I was doing, um, weren't getting any better. I was, I was in my head mentally and offensively, there was things I needed to work on. Um, and going down there, getting, uh, a good amount of that bats and not feeling the pressure allowed me to go work on those things. Um, if I fail, I fail. Um, and I think it really freed up a lot, um, within myself and, um, 
like I said before, um, you can either, you know, get disappointed and cry about it or you can make the most out of it. Um, I decided to, to take it within myself to just go out there and make the most out of it. Um, sometimes it's not about improving your average or, you know, doing this or doing that. Um, you got to do what you think is going to make you a better ball player to help the team win. And I feel, I feel like I'm in a good spot. With your mechanics, was there anything that might have been a, a focus that you might be able to detail? Um, just kind of getting a little more rhythm, um, doing some of the things that made me successful last year. Um, I kind of, I kind of felt like I, not really on purpose, but sometimes you start away from some of the things that, you know, bring you success. And, um, as the failures continue, you start to press and press and press and you forget about kind of the process and the things that really allow you to or allowed me to succeed last year. So kind of took a step back and was able to watch video and just see a lot of things that I could definitely work on and just kind of worked on that when I went down there and just kept working on it while I was here, communicated with you know, all the hitting guys and everyone's on the same page and, you know, everyone uh, agreed and they were, they were happy with where I was, with where I was at and the things I worked on. So, uh, that tells me that obviously I was working on the right things. What were you expecting when you got to home plate with your guys' first walk-off in these weird circumstances? Honestly, I forgot. I forgot about the weird circumstances. I kind of was like I stepped on home plate, and I kind of ran straight to to Caesar. I wanted to I wanted to make sure that um, he knew he knew how happy I was that you know we made that happen. So. Um, but no, and then I kind of turned around and kind of hit me on my way there and I kind of turned around and saw the rest of the guys running. So I was like, okay, I guess, I guess it, we're doing this. Cesar, how was the, uh, this is Cesar Hernandez celebration. Your first one with the Indians. Yeah, so we're going to be happy. Not like, like regulars, but that's good. You know that. Hater had not allowed a hit all season coming into that inning. Yes, that's what I hear when they have a meeting. So that's what I hear and, and try to pull the ball and play. So in that situation, so that's what I get the base That's it. Cesar Hernandez, they're talking about the fact that uh, Josh Hader had a meeting at the mound right before the pitch that. Uh, that Cesar Hernandez was able to line into left field uh, to give the Indians the victory as they had Oscar Mercado on third base. Uh, so, again, you just heard uh, Sandy Alomar Jr., Brad Hand, Aaron Savali, Oscar Mercado, and, uh, and, Cesar, and Cesar Hernandez in that order. Um, so... Great to hear from those guys about about, about a thr- about a thrilling walk off win for the tribe. The next day, the Indians would um, obviously play the um, play the Milwaukee Brewers again, and they would get a a dominant start from Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, I'm sure he would have liked to go f- further in the game, but when he was in there, he was pretty darn dominant. 
Shane Bieber won five innings uh, on Sunday, September 6th. Shane Bieber won five innings, gave up five hits, and one earned run. And he struck out ten batters in five innings. And just uh, another dominant start by Shane Bieber. Uh, And every time he goes out there, he racks up a ton of strikeouts. That's nothing new. That's nothing new for Shane Bieber to do is Shane Bieber racked up a ton of strikeouts. And, uh, again, the uh, in this game on Sunday, September 6th, the Indians won by a score of 4-1. to one. And the and the offense was nothing, no, no, nothing sexy, just some basic fundamental uh, – Basic fundamental baseball. The uh, the Indians got a double in the bottom of the first from uh, uh, from Carlos Santana. Then um, then Jordan Lupos Jordan Lupo Luplo Jordan Luplo singled home uh, singled home Francisco Lindor, and then. Um, and then Carlos Santana singled, uh, and then another run was scored on a ground ball double play. So the Indians, again, the Indians won by a score of four to one on September sixth. On Sunday, September sixth, they take the series from the Milwaukee Brewers. At the end of that series, the Indians' record was twenty five, uh, twenty five and fifteen. The Milwaukee Brewers dropped. To a record of eighteen and twenty-one on the season. Let's hear. Let's hear from Indians manager Sandy Alomar Jr. on the four-to-one win and the series win against Milwaukee on Sunday, September sixth. Fourth and fifth inning, we felt like in the fifth inning you had to work so hard to get out of that. I mean, but uh, getting out of that jam was huge, and. Uh, we worked so hard in that inning, we decided just to blow him out. You know, we had a big series coming up. Uh, and uh, I feel like uh, pushing him to the sixth, it was going to be hard. I know he was fighting to go back out there, but he, he, he had to fight in the fourth and the fifth inning, uh, throw a lot of pitches. Andy, was that just a case of them being more patient the second time through against him? Yeah, it seemed like, uh, you know, uh, they were just looking in one area and just gave up. Gave up the inner part of the play, it seems like that. And uh, they were like, just more looking for spin and just reacting on fastballs. Because a couple of hits they got, they were late on it, on the fastball. But it seems like they were looking kind of spin and react. They, were, they took their body away from the swing. They're using their hands. And they did a good adjustment. Uh, at the end of the day, Bieber was able to, I mean, figure out ways to get out of trouble. Sandy, how nice was it to see Carlos Santana jump on a pitch early in a count and get you guys on the board? Then he came back, and I think he had a 3-0 pitch for a single as well. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, right-handed, he seems like to be more more relaxed right-handed versus left-handed. He seems to be uh, too jerky and uh, too much body into the swing. Uh, I feel like uh, he uses his hand right-handed more than he does lefty. So, uh I mean, we, we, we got a couple of runs earlier against Anderson, which is huge because he's always been uh, uh, a very difficult guy for us to hit. So we were able to manage some runs. Uh, and uh, uh, 
kind of like extended the, the score four to one there to give us a little breathing room. What did you think of the play by Jose early? You had a good play by Frankie, and you had that catch by Luplo, just the defensive plays that you guys have made today. Yeah, we we uh, we did a pretty good job helping with defense. Uh, we got a uh, double plays when we needed them. Uh, there was a lot of traffic out there. Uh, we were able to, later in the game, we were able to handle that. So I hope I did a fantastic job uh, covering that, that gap, four-inning gap. Uh, they were ready to go, so it's kudos to them. And also, I want to congratulate Brett Hand for 100 saves. So that was huge. That was Indians acting manager Sandy Alomar Jr. talking to the media after the 4-1 to win over the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Indians again take two out of three from the Milwaukee Brewers, and they would go home to take on the uh, to take on the Kansas City Royals beginning on Labor Day. Uh, that's about all the time we have here on this episode. We will uh, we will be covering the Kansas City. Uh, the Kansas City Royals series at home for the Indians um, on our next podcast. Uh, Look for that podcast to be published uh, by Friday morning as, as that uh, and by Friday morning, I mean, Friday, uh, September 11th as, uh, as that series with the Kansas City Royals that, that, that begins on, uh, that begins on Labor Day is a four game series. So I will publish the uh, episode regarding the Kansas City Royals Labor Day series on Friday morning, September the 11th. Again, thank you very much for joining me here on Rolling with the Tribe. I greatly appreciate you and listening to this show. Uh, please, please tell your friends about the show. And uh, please tell everyone you know about the show as I definitely want to keep this, get the word out about this show. I definitely want to get the word out about this show. So if you could please uh, pass it on to your friends on social media, Um, word of mouth always helps. Again, pass this on to your friends on social media and I will have another episode uh, coming out on Friday morning discussing the Indians and the Kansas City Royals series here at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario in Cleveland, Ohio. That is about all the time we have on this edition of Rolling with the Tribe. Before we get out of here, I want to thank a couple people. I want to thank Curtis Danberg, the Senior Director of Communications for the Cleveland Indians, not only for the interview that he gave me in this episode, but for the access to the audio that, uh, to a lot of the audio that you heard earlier. I want to thank Bart, uh, Bart Swain, who helps us get a lot of that audio again thank you to you for listening uh my name is peter nab and this has been the latest edition of rolling with the tribe here on apple Podcasts, as well as well as spotify wherever you might be listening to this podcast again my name is peter nab have a wonderful day and we will and i will talk to you next time on friday morning september the 11th as we as i will have an episode on the indian series with the kansas city royals Again, thank you to Curtis Danberg, thank you to Bart Swain, and thank you to everyone who um, who is listening to this show. Please, can, please spread it to your friends and family, and spread it on social media. I would greatly appreciate that. 
And my name is Peter Nab. I'm heading out of here for the day. Again, thank you very much. Have a wonderful uh, have a wonderful night and have a wonderful week and go tribe. <laughs>